0: I would like us to look at Psalm 107, Psalm 107 uh, this morning. Um, Is the audio clear enough? Uh, Yes. Okay, good. Psalm 107 is a very instructional psalm, and I would like us to... Uh, take some pieces out of that for our own lives. Um, this has a four times uh, we see an event happening. First, The first three are uh, adorations and then verse four onwards. They wandered in the wilderness in a desert region, basically a wilderness region. They did not find a way to an inhabited city. They were hungry and thirsty. Uh, Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them also by a straight way to go to an inhabited city. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul, he has filled with what is good. The context here is. Early days, I mean, now you have highways, vehicles. Those days it was walking. Or at the best, a camel or a donkey. The wilderness traveled in deserts. In the middle of a desert, in the heat. Among rocky places, mountainous places. You don't have directions. There are no road signs. There is no GPS. There's no phone. There's no Google. (laughs) Just imagine. Nothing. There's no maps. You are going by experience. You are going by hearsay. You have not done that before. You talk to people who have done that before. Many times they'll say walk in this direction for this many days. Won't even have mile markers that kind of a journey you can easily get lost many times we've heard uh, you you see um, accounts of people who are traveling and are lost that they were actually circling instead of going straight they were actually coming back to where they were without knowing they were actually coming back Because you don't have directions, proper directions. And it is in that context, God hears the cries of people and delivers them out of there. They're thirsty, they're hungry. He meets their needs. Not only meets their physical needs, but also leads them by a straight way. Verse 7. That means no more circling. See how word of God applies to real life. So often we can go on a detour. Many times, a lot of our lives is seasons of detour. Whether business, family or whatever. Marriage life or business life or ministerial life can be detours that later we look back and we realize we could have avoided. We could have avoided this expense. We could have avoided this pitfall. But here God leads them also by a straight way. After, when? After they've been settling. (laughs) After they've been seasons of detours. And then they were looking for people because people would help. God guides them to an inhabited city. That means there are many in uninhabited cities also in the deserts. <laughs> you, you think you found a house and then you go close and you realize it's actually deserted. Find a village from far and go find it's empty. There's nobody to help you. So this is one. But the important turning point is... Verse six, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And the next one, though verse 10, they were there were those who dwelt in darkness and in the shadow of death. Prisoners in misery and change. These are in prison, literal prison, because they had rebelled against the words of God. They didn't think word of God applied to life. It was only for Sunday or only for spirituality, but not for real life. And they did wrong things and ended up in prison and spurned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, he humbled their heart with labor. They stumbled and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and shadow of death and broke their bands apart. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has shattered gates of bronze and cut bars of iron asunder. This could be any bondage, not just prison. You could be working in some situation where actually you are a slave. You could be in a, uh, a business where you're really in slavery. Somebody's taken an upper hand. Some employment, some situation that you thought was good has actually ended up being bondage. You are in darkness, and you're in your tied. You're behind bars, you are restrained. And then in that in that season, they cry out. Again, the turning point here is verse 13. They cried out to the Lord. Cried out to the Lord. Okay. And then we look at Verse 17, the next set, fools, because of their rebellious ways and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Okay, this is sickness. Their soul abhorred all kinds of food. You're so sick, you can't even eat. your, your, Your desire for taste and everything is gradually diminishing. And they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried out to the Lord, In their trouble, he saved them out of their distresses. Sent his word and healed them. Healing. Sickness. From sickness to health. And delivered them from their pit. Destruction footnote pit. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness. For his wonders to the sons of men. Let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. Sickness, disease and drawing near to death can't eat food cannot sustain me anymore. In death beds, in sick beds God comes and heals. He sent his word and healed them delivered them from their pits. They were getting ready to be buried. They were so close to death. God rescues them. Again, the turning point, the tipping point, if you will, is they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. And then finally, 23 onwards, those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters, travel, business in risky environment. (laughs) They have seen the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he spoke and he raised up a stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They rose up to the heavens. The, the, uh, The waves are lifting the boat or the ship to that height. They went down to the depths. Again, it goes down. Their soul melted away in their misery. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits' end. They were at their wits' end. Then they cried out to the Lord in their troubles. And he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storm to be still so that the waves of the sea were hushed. then they were glad because they were quiet, so he guided them to their desired heaven. The port that they wanted to go, God made them go. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people. And praise him at the seat of elders. Again, the, the turning point is they cried out to the Lord and they troubled. Him. See, they didn't cry to their dad or mom. They probably did in the beginning. They didn't cry to some somebody's God. Probably they did. <laughs> they didn't try, they didn't cry out to an expert on the board. Expert in, in, in sickness. They didn't cry out. None of these says they cried out to some human, some expert. They probably did. They probably did in the beginning and realized it didn't help. See, we come to God when everything is exhausted. We really come to God with tears, with brokenness, wanting when everything we are leaning on breaks. So they probably cried out to doctors, they probably cried out to experts, probably cried out to captains, experienced sailors, when all of them couldn't, they realized nobody can. First they try, right? Human beings, you and I know we try ourselves, then we lean on others, and then we come to God. I want us to meditate a little bit more into this. The tipping point is tears, not anger. A lot of times we are in denial when we have a problem. Okay, It's a typical cycle. When faced with a problem, first is denial. We deny there is a problem. And then denial becomes when we realize we it is there you can't deny it anymore. Then we think the other is the reason. That one is the reason, that person is the reason. So we are angry at them. We hate them. Anger becomes hate. And then even when that doesn't help, it doesn't change anything. I'm angry, but that doesn't change anything. We turn against ourselves. That's a typical counseling cycle. First is denial, then anger, then looking at yourself. You're actually angry at yourself. That leads to depression. Next season, even when that doesn't help, when your anger or your um, uh, uh, your animosity to yourself, that you are the reason, It doesn't help. Then it leads to depression. You sit with your wounds that you are the reason and you get depressed. That's where the world, most of the world is. God is saying move beyond that. Depression need not have tears. Most of the time depression doesn't have tears. Because you're mulling and thinking over everything that has gone wrong. Your mind is going in a circle. But God is saying, go beyond to tears. Exhaust all your emotion. Go over your blaming. But come to me. Come to me. Tears. Tears is when you realize and come to God and say, I cannot do this. I failed. I messed it up. Would you set it right? My eyes are not looking to anybody. My eyes look to your face alone. And then the change happens, the weak becomes strong, the lost is found, the sick is healed, the one that is least becomes the most, tail becomes the head. All through history, this change happens, Turning, turning points. You plot those things, you see the turning point is tears. See, when you are in the isolated, when you are in the desert wandering, aloneness comes on you. You think you believe you are alone, and you are alone. You think you've been isolated. You are. You think you've been abandoned. To some extent, you are. You're locked up in hospital, alone. Alone is a reality in hospital. Alone is a reality in prison. Alone is a reality in travel, whether by sea or by road or by plane or by train. Aloneness aloneness is a reality in any any kind of environment, aloneness. And then one of the aloneness. The reality of aloneness, what does it do? It leads you to think that you alone can help yourself. That's a danger. That's where the pitfall comes. We alone think that we alone can save. But going to God in tears is the secret. Because our mind begins to play and the enemy... It triggers this, that you are alone and nobody cares. Silences of God are mistaken as absences of God. Remember this, that's the struggle of the young around the world today. Silences of God are understood, misunderstood as absences of God. Silence of God is misunderstood as absence of God. You and I also do that. All the while not knowing that God is watching us. Imagine the one in the desert, the one in the prison, the one in the hospital, the one in the midst of a storm. If he or she or if they know God is watching me, imagine their comfort. Imagine their confidence. can face mountains. But the reality is God is watching, God is watching, God is waiting, very clearly, very surely God is watching. Let's look at something from Abraham's life. Um, Hagar is brought into Abraham's life by his wife Sarah, waiting for the child, it doesn't happen. God has promised, but she doesn't want to wait. So she becomes proactive. And then she chases the maid, and the maid is out of the desert. Uh, by the way, chapter 16, Genesis chapter 16. Now, verse 7, now the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, by the spring on the way to shore. Then the angel begins to prophesy. God has told the angel what to do. Verse 11, and the angel of the Lord said to her further, behold, you are with child. Okay. They have spotted the child in the womb and you will bear a son prophesying here and you shall call his name Ishmael. Okay. This is very important. What does Ishmael mean? God hears. (laughs) Meaning of is, Ishmael is, God hears. Because the Lord has given heed to your affliction. God has heard you. So God hears. The child's name is God hears. Now we think that's the end of it, right? No. Then later, she calls this God God who sees verse 13, then she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, she thinks the angel is the God. You are a God who sees Elroy. Two names about characteristics of God emerge here. Elroy, God who sees, that's Hagar's giving God the name, God who sees because God has saw me in the wilderness. God saw a child within me when nobody knew it. And then God who hears the name given by God himself. Now, God is saying it's not the end. See verse chapter 21. Again, Hagar is checked out with a child. Okay. Isaac is born. And now, Hagar is out on, 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 on the away from the family, Abraham family. Chapter 21. 15. Last verse, part of 14 says, She wandered about in the wilderness of Sheba with a child. When the water in the skin was used up, she left the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him about a bow shot away, for she said, Do not let me see the boy die. And she sat opposite him and lifted up her voice and wept. She's crying now. But listen, God heard the lad crying. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not fear, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. She's crying, but God is saying, I've heard the child's cry. I've heard a cry also, but I'm responding now to the child's cry. And what is his name? Ishmael. What does that mean? Heard of God. God hears. See, even before the boy is born, God names him Ishmael because he knows one day the boy is going to cry out to him. When a baby is going to be in a wilderness under a tree with no water, the mother is going to abandon him because she's been abandoned by her, her husband or uh, uh, you, you know the master and the mistress and the entire two group there. And now she's alone and she's weeping and there's a child now and there's wilderness and there's no water and she's crying and God sees, I've heard the voice of the child. That's why he calls him God hears or God has heard. It's, it's, It's actually both. It can be either God hears or God has heard. God has heard who? The word of God is clear. God has heard the child. See, God named Vishma long before the child was born, long before the abandonment in the wilderness. Imagine the depth of that. God knows. God knows. So, that is the turning point. God hears silently, quietly. God, how does God hear? Silently and quietly. She didn't know God was there. The guys in the ship didn't know. The guys in the plane didn't know. The one in the prison didn't know. One in the hospital. They thought they were all abandoned. Enemy likes to make you think that you are forgotten. Done with nobody. Nobody. Not even your kindest family member is there. You are completely gone. He tries to push you over the edge with those thoughts. And God is proving again and again, God who sees, God who hears, the silent, the most quietest whisper of our heart. Quietest whisper, not even come to the mouth. Close your mouth and whisper in your heart, Jesus. Jesus, he hears it. And he turns the tide of history. Turns the tide of history and the weak become strong. But humanity thinks it's economy. Our nation thinks it's time for our nation to become wealthy. Our people are beginning to think that. You know, the truth is, truth is, it's not economy, my friend. It's centuries of tears and brokenness, cries of humans all around this generations of people crying God is turning the tide don't look at the economy and stop the man who doesn't know God stops the economy go behind the God who is the God of the economy don't get misled don't stop the economy it's my turn under under the sun no it's God giving you a chance under the sun Finally, as we end, there's a reminder. Psalm one o seven, verse thirty five onwards, changes wilderness into pool of water, dry land into springs of water. There he makes the hungry dwell, so that they may establish. Now they were there, they were led to and. Uh, you know, inhabited city. Now they establish an inhabited city. So fields and plant vineyards gather a fruitful harvest. Also he blesses them and they multiply greatly and he does not let their cattle decrease. All of this, all of this is the redemption story of God. But I want to warn you, there is an ending. This, This beginning of this later portion also has something. Verse 33, he changes rivers into wilderness, springs of water into thirsty ground, fruitful land into salt waste, because of the wickedness of those who dwell in it. See, he makes wilderness into rivers, dry place into garden, because you are in tears, you are at your end. And so, he makes a beginning for you. But then, if there is wickedness there, eventually, if there is pride there, this is what comes. Because it can become another cycle. The wicked places are made as desert. Daniel, again, we see the king, Nebuchadnezzar. It's a necessary teaching. Let me read that and then we are done. Nebuchadnezzar is on the roof. And the prophecy of Daniel was regarding that. Regarding that. In in chapter 4, the vision of a great, great tree is given already. That this tree is chopped down. But then, even then, with God warning, there's pride, there's going to be pride in you. Verse 28, all this happened to Nebuchadnezzar, the king, 12 months later. 12 months before he was warned with a dream that you're going to be proud and you're going to be cut down. See, God knows the word that's coming, the pride that's coming. Walking on the roof of the royal palace. King reflected and said, Is this not Babylon the Great, which I myself have built as the royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, a voice came from heaven, King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is declared, sovereignty has been removed from you while it was still in the king's mouth. Because God saw it even before the word was Uttered, he saw the heart. Friend, tears to laughter. But there is a warning there. If there is pride there, you forget the tears days, seasons of tear. You forget this. You forget the bliss, the, the the wandering, the prison, the hospital, the desperation, the death, the bondage the slavery, and you think, this is all yours. Now that I'm blessed, I, it's all about me. There is a warning from God. There is a God who redeems from the pit. There is also God has set in motion way for man to be brought to reality. Like Nebuchadnezzar was, after seven seasons, He comes back and says, you are God and God restores. So God is the God who hears our tears. That's the bottom line of this uh, week. Shall we pray? Father God, we come to you this morning. You know our tears. Help us to come to you and to you alone. Keep us humble, remove pride from our heart and from our mind and from our lives. In Jesus' name.